Last week, uh, we started this mustard seed faith, and all that Jesus purchased for us on Calvary. And how important various elements are. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it's a, it's a gift of God. Abel died for his faith. Enoch was spared from death by his faith. The book of Hebrews is a book of faith in action, and yet, if you don't read it all the way, you can almost come to the conclusion that if good things are not always happening in your life, well, then there's something wrong with your faith. But yet, it talks about all those that move mountains and did exploits and and then it concludes with those that were less fortunate and it says that they still had faith now I love the the first ones but you never want to get so discouraged when it seems like things are not working out the way that your, your faith had anticipated. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. And the good news this morning is that God is the author and the finisher of your faith. And... That your faith is under construction. It's under construction. We want to get to establish an environment of faith, but James covers faith under construction. One of the things that I think any of us who drive and maybe even the riders, we don't like at all is construction, road construction. Road construction, you know, impairs our, our preconceived and our time frames. Road construction can be frustrating. Road construction can make us take roads that we really hadn't anticipated. And along the way, when there is road construction, there are various signs that tell us what we can expect and give us some information. Now, the sign doesn't always appease us but it does inform us so that maybe we just could relax and know that we're going to get there. It might not be down the, using the same roads that the GPS that got wasn't yet informed of the changes tells you. But that's what it is with when Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. You're going to get there. How faith, how, how important is this, this thing called faith? Well, it's so important that God has dedicated his word to building it. God has hinged the function of 
the kingdom in within the framework of our faith in God. And it's It is the one thing that the enemy would like to somehow neutralize in your life. Faith. Your confidence in God and your hope in the tomorrows, the future, both naturally, spiritually. And so he said to, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, Satan has desired you to sift. He's asked for you. How many know that in Job, Satan asked for him? He asked for him. Well, here he asks for Peter. Jesus says, Simon, Simon. Isn't that interesting? Because remember, he said, I'm not going to call you Simon anymore, I'm going to call you. Peter or Petra or small rock. So he's informing him that he's going to fall back into his old nature. Anybody ever done that? Fall back into your old nature? Sure. But he says, I have prayed for you. That your faith would not fail. And when he uses the word sift, he's using, you know, the idea, he said, I want to damage your faith. I want to damage your faith so that it's no longer useful to God. Think about it. He said, I want to damage your faith so that you become like a person or an individual that's put on a shelf so that we have you far from the action of the kingdom. You're not actively active close to the things of the kingdom. You're in the kingdom. Your salvation has been secured. But I want to damage your faith. Satan wanted to damage his faith so that he was shelved for and from the action of the kingdom. Many times we think that the enemy goes for our weaknesses, but he doesn't. He goes for our strengths. Or what we presume is our strength. Because this is what he said. This is what Peter said. As Jesus stood there with his disciples and said, you know, you're going to deny me. Peter steps up to the plate very boldly and says, Everybody else might deny you, but I'm not going to deny you. It's not your weaknesses and not getting into the fact that where, Peter, where Paul talked about, you know, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. But you have strengths in your life. You have arenas of of capability and power because God has went ahead and invested by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's dynamic gifts within us. 
by the virtue of just our natural birth, we have been gifted, you know, by the Creator. The guy with a batting average of 200 gifts up to the plate, they never walk him. But you take somebody that steps up to the plate with a 350, 400 batting average, and what are they going to do? The pitcher's going to step off the side, and they're just going to intentionally walk him. Why? Because strength can go ahead and change the dynamics of the game. And so he's, he's after the strength that you have. The area. Where we're strong and maybe feel that we're invincible. I wonder if you know some people who at one time were vibrant for the kingdom and serving the kingdom. But they've kind of given up and they're living a life of defeated existence. Just defeated existence. You ask them if they're believers and they'll say, of course I'm a believer. And they can tell you when they you know, got saved and they can tell you all kinds of history. Not unlike the church in Sardis in the book of Revelations. And if you'd have went to them and talked to them and asked them, they could have told you a whole history of God of yesterday. But they would have never had a story that was short or quickly on the tales of their todays. We need them both. How many know that reading somebody else's story is a really faith-inspiring thing, but when you've got your own story to tell, it really comes home. Hallelujah. Paul, when he was faced with questions and relationship to his faith, and while it, there is a place for you to talk about, you know, the patriarchs of old and tell the story... But because he had his own story, that's what he told. I can't imagine that this man, Paul, how many times his faith was tried to be damaged. Four times he was beaten with stripes. Three times he was in a shipwreck and it wasn't a short shipwreck, it was overnight. <laughs> he found himself facing hunger and he found himself Naked, he, you know, and the reason for that is, is because he'd been robbed. One neat thing about Peter is when he recovered is that he laid down pride. And he put on the courage of the Holy Spirit in his life. Failure is not intended to be fatal. God 
can use your failure. One of the things that failure can do in us and it can help God show us and reveal to us so we can do some spiritual house cleaning. So your faith this morning, it's really important. Your revelation of God and your perspective on life is really shapes and influences your faith. James, in this under construction faith thing, he gives us some road signs. Road signs that in the journey and walk of faith you can expect and don't get frustrated by. Because your faith is important to God. Could we just take a moment in, in our thinking here to say that your faith is important to God? God cares, God's interested, God is paying attention, God sees the what kind of faith that you have. Now he does not turn away when he makes the evaluation of faith. So that's encouragement. Whether it's small faith and weak faith or great faith. So some of the road signs that James gives us in this faith journey is you can expect delays. How many seen the signs as you're driving and it pops up way before you get there? You can expect some delays. That's found in James 5 and 8. And he says, you know what will work really well in delays? Patience. Patience. Patience work really well in delays. Another sign that you'll see when you see on the road is detour ahead. Is everything and every journey turned out just like you thought? James says that there's some road signs that come up and we can pay attention. And what he's really saying is, you need to prepare for life's uncertainties. James chapter 4, I think it's verse 13. Prepare for life's uncertainties. Then in James chapter 3, verse 13, he says, sometimes there's forks in the road. And that's going to require wise decisions on your part. Forks in the road. Make wise decisions when you come to those intersections. Amen? Another road sign that comes up and is for our own safety and for our own benefit is use caution. James chapter 3 and verse 2. 
He says you need to manage your mouth. <laughs> manage your mouth. The tongue is it not only is like a rudder, it's really fuel too. So caution. Get <laughs> all these delays and detours and you know intersections. What in the name of a real popular one? is, well, if God loved me, or if God is love, if God is love, he would go to the cross for you. Right. He already, there's no more need for God, you know, to demonstrate his love is for us and you and I to embrace it. For no greater love is man than for to lay down his life for a friend, but God died for us while we were yet sinners. How shall he who, not, who spared not his only son, but gave him up for us all, how shall he not by him also freely give us all things? Be interested in your life totally and completely. I think that maturing love of love, and we'll get into how this works, faith that works by love, but, but is we need to stop questioning God's love. Stop, stop, stop doubting God's wisdom. And come to the revelation that God is good. Now here's what happens. Is because God is good, good things happen. But that does not make God good. Good things happen because God is good. It is who he is. Hallelujah. Yeah. Because invariably, if I say, if, 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 you know, something good happens, then what do we say? God is good. And so, basically, God's goodness is tied to what he's done. When in reality, what God has done is because he's good. It's just the course first or the cart first. We like the cart first. God doesn't push. He leads. Somebody give him a lot of praise this morning. Amen? Hallelujah. This is the God that has authored faith in us. This is the God that's watching over our faith, that's in charge of the faith in us. Then there's another sign that comes up according to James chapter 2. It's merge ahead. Don't you love those people that don't obey merging? (laughs) Somehow, they're last, but they need to be first. (laughs) And they will just... What do we get? Major traffic jam. A whole mile for us all to just flow in line. But they got prejudice. I'm not talking about prejudice of skin colors and backgrounds and ethnics, but James writes about prejudice. (coughs) 
I'll be a little honest with you this morning because I've been in this. I have. None of you guys have, so I got out of it, though. How come, how come that guy gets... And then I says, I'm away, because here I'm always up, you know what I mean? But I get away and I... Somebody else has got a session. I go, how come that guy's got a session? I don't have a session. God put something in my heart. And then when he gets done, I'm way better than he is. I just kept not getting any sessions. <laughs> Until I finally said, well, my glad that's not my session. <laughs> sudden you, you get session after session after session because you know yep. you're not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought faith is under construction so when I knew that I, I knew that there was adjustments that had to happen in my faith and Then he talks about in James 1.19, you need to yield. He says you need to control your anger. You need to control your anger. Anger is controllable. It's controllable, you know what I mean? Just like fear is. Understanding the love of God. Perfect love casts out fear. God's got your best interest at heart. He's better at what you're doing than you're better at it, than you are. Yeah. He's got more facts than you do. Your construction. I'm glad that God puts people in our lives because as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of another, you know. Sometimes God will, you know, He will not say anything, He will just put a silent figure in your midst. And you'll see Him in the same situation and you'll see how they handle it. You pay attention to it, you don't have to get to the heads up. The rebuke. Those road signs. Why? Because your faith. Who you believe, what you believe, how you you know, carry out that belief is important. Because Satan has desired to damage your faith to make you and get you to be inactive. Be a socializer, a social Christian, but not a dynamic warrior. Take you from passiveness to activeness. Because he loves us so much and he understands and is trying to get us to understand, you know, the dynamics of faith, how important faith is in how to use faith 
It was the book of Ephesians that talks about this, this, this great warrior, this soldier. And he's went ahead and he's prepared in everything. But yet the one thing that is vital is his shield of faith. The shield of faith. Above all, taking the shield of faith. That you might quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Those things that, that poison us. This thing that causes our minds, you know, to be question God and God's goodness. Now, if you have a good question for God, great. God's not afraid of questions. But is your question legitimate? And then in James chapter 1, verse 13, the sign comes up, do not enter. Resist temptation. Don't even go there. Resist temptation. And then James 1, 1, sign comes up, Reduce speed ahead. He says you need to keep calm under pressure. Keep calm under pressure. Prepared for the moment. Faith under construction. Is good, amen. God is good. Awesome paper clip. Establishing an environment of faith in your life. How many know that the scripture says that Jesus came to his own town and there wasn't an establishment, an environment of faith? He got there and he couldn't do any mighty works. Because everybody looked at him. It's just being Joseph's son. They looked at him through the parameters of not who he was. They looked at his simply his flesh heritage and not his divine heritage. The human potential rather than the divine potential. The natural had camouflaged the invisible. Because God was manifested in the flesh. But they didn't see the God that was wanting to be manifested. They did not see it. Is this not the carpenter's son? Folks, the natural oftentimes is what we see and we don't see the divineness. Well, yes, we see him to this degree, we see him to that degree. My faith has really been challenged and my faith has really been under construction, you know. 
It's your doubt that causes faith failure. It's your doubt. Do we have a passage of scripture there, Andy, in Mark 6 and 5? In Mark 11? Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. How many know that that scripture is saying that God really wanted to do more? You know, you can get to a place where you're just content. How many wouldn't be happy with a few sick people healed? Come on, church. Come on. You're happy with with just a few miracles of God. And and yet here, here, here stands the almighty God, you know what I mean, who has an itinerary. Who within him is, is this, this, who is the creator of the universe. And, and I was looking for the atmosphere. And he's limited. You catch the, the power of faith? Faith that can take us beyond the few. Now let me say this. Don't get drugged down by doubt or because you've doubted. Let's do something about it. Because if we were to move everybody from the Bible and every person in the Bible who doubted, it would be a very small book. But they did not remain in doubt. They went ahead and they addressed doubt. They recognized doubt. And so he's saying, deal with the areas of unbelief. Deal with the areas of unbelief. Remember we said last week about how that faith is? It's a seed. And everybody knows that in order for seeds to be effective and produce what's there, what they're called to do, there has to be an investment or a planting. They have to has to be an initiative of Faith is a way of waiting. Faith is a way of doing. Faith is a way of seeing. Faith a way of handling. Faith is a can-do power inside of us. It's not always on the surface. Doubt, despondency, discouragement. When I went through this last knee replacement... God challenged me. God challenged me. He said, son, he said, I want you to try not getting down. I want you to try. You know what I mean? Just go ahead and, you know, 
staying up in, in, in that realm. And I can, I can honestly say that, that I said, okay, Lord. And I took the initiative, and when they would come, I'd say no to it, you know what I mean? And I'd just say something of praise. I'd just say something of thanks, you know what I mean? And man, you talk about, you know, renewal inside. A renewal in, inside. Now, if I have went the other way, would God still been there? Yeah, I said, if a righteous man falls, you know what I mean? Seven times, he's going to get up again. You know, God, God helps us always get up. He does. So he doesn't say, you've fallen. He says, let's get up. Let's get up. Said, this is before that. Church is going good. Needs are being met. Just enjoy it. Well, I believe that God pulls us away and lets us rest. But R and R is not forever. Establish an environment of faith by removing the interior and exterior beliefs. Remember the story of the, the Canaan woman? You know what I mean? That she comes to Jesus and she's asking for her daughter to be healed and she gets nothing but rebuke. I don't think anybody has ever got put off like that. And yet... The result is that even though it wasn't time for the Gentiles, her faith moved the Gentile time frame up for her life. Nobody else got moved up. But she did. God moved the time frame. And she received a benefit that was still down the road. There's the son of Jonathan. I don't know if I pronounce it right, but Hithopal was his name. And when there was a transfer of kings from Saul to David... Hithabel's nurse grabbed him and ran with him. And in the running, they fell, and the fall crippled him. Odebar is where he finally ended up, which means that he was in a place of, you know what I mean, that was far away, it was barren. It, it means that, that he had nothing really functioning and operative, and good things was not happening in his life. And... And David becomes king, and then he says, is there not someone of the house of Saul that I can do good to? And, and, and you know, they said that there's one. He's Jonathan's son, and that's where he's at. And David says, I want you to go get him. And for Jonathan's sake, he said, I'm going to set a plate at the king's table. And so every day he was able to sit at the king's table, not because of him, himself, but because of Jonathan. And that is the picture of Jesus Christ and the fact that he invites all us cripples and he put a plate at the table and he says I don't care about your crippledness why don't you just sit down at my table 
Sometimes we're so concentrated and, and, and focused and, and our, our, our crippledness is so apparent that, you know, it's apparent to not anybody else but ourselves and we're reluctant to sit at the king's table at a given time. But as long as Jonathan, or excuse me, as long as Hithophel sat at the king's table, his crippledness was never apparent. There is something about the king's table that will hide your crippledness. There is something about the king's table, you know what I mean, that covers and does not make it a spectacle or obvious. That's God's remedy, and that's God's God's message is is all you have to do is take your place at the king's table. And that story even goes further that Not only did he get an invitation, but it was restoration. The land, it belonged to to Jonathan and to the family, was all restored to him. And he didn't even have to work it, because God went ahead and provided a decree and a commandment that there was something that would work it for, there would be servants that would work it for him. He always makes up the difference. Always makes up the difference. When the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to be that dynamic assistant. We asked the musicians to come this morning To, to head and establish an environment of faith, we need to learn how to steward our faith. Learn how to steward our faith. It was Jude that says we need to contend for the faith that was once delivered on to the saints of old. Notice how he's trying to lift us up. I'm not suggesting that your faith is not there. I'm not saying, but he's, he's shown us where our faith can be. Contend for the faith that was once delivered. And so then we open the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 and see what faith can do. We start stewarding our faith. Because faith is a seed, what do we have to do with seeds and plants? You got to plant, you got to cultivate, you got to water. It was Jesus himself that said this. He said, except a corn of wheat fall on the ground and die, it abides alone. Unless you make an investment. I'm not talking about money here. Unless you sow the word in the soil of life.
key to breakthrough is using the faith you already have. Use the faith you already have. To every man is given a measure of faith. You have faith. You have faith. Just as you have faith and confidence in the routines of life, Jesus spoke and said, have the faith of God. Have the faith of God. When I grew up, and we've done this song here before, but only believe all things are possible. Only believe. Only believe all things are possible. And that's what the Word says. Steward your faith. And then if you want faith, really, we're going to close with this one. Faith works by love. Faith works by love. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. You not only need faith in your heart, you need a heart of faith. Or heart in your faith, let's put it that way. Make our houses strong and our foundations strong. The foundation of our faith needs to be love. I'm going to be real bold here. You can make confessions. You can quote Bible verses. You can fast and pray. But we must walk in love. We must walk in love. He has hinged the whole testimony that we are the sons of God on the basic principle of love. Love. Amen. Hallelujah. I wanted this morning as you stand with me and Jesus said, I've prayed that your faith would not fail. That it would not become damaged. That it wouldn't become damaged. I still believe. No, but is your faith damaged? Does anybody understand that? I mean, because I know I've been there. And I could camouflage it, and I did camouflage it. But thank God he loved me so much, he says, I'm not going to let you keep camouflaging it. Now, he didn't expose it to anybody else. He just exposed it to me. That's the beauty of God. He, he's, not, he's not pointed out to somebody else the shortage of your faith. He's just... know that you can't even get saved unless you realize you're a sinner (laughs) see pointing something out is you know that's positive that's good school just finished up and I got all kinds of report cards and the report cards is indicators indicators 
Some people take the indicators and are challenged by them. Some people take the indicators and blame by them. Don't blame, he says, others for your faith. Oh, hallelujah. Others are not responsible for your life. Now, obviously, there's a parameter there that, you know what I mean? Well, we have to, we're involved in each other's life, but the bottom line is that when we stand before God that day, he's not going to pull these two together and say, well done, you know what I mean? going to say it to the individual. Hallelujah. You have faith. It may have been damaged. And Satan had been, has been successful at damaging your faith. But Jesus is an expert at recovering and repairing that damage. One, he's not holding it against you. Two, he loves us too much to leave us like we are. Amen. We got to quit. You heard that before, right? Amen. But, you know, yeah. Go ahead, Karen. Mark, praise the Lord. I'm the author and I'm the finisher of your faith. It's important to God. Your faith is important. It's his personal investment in us. Faith that God is. Hallelujah. How many believe that God is? That's the first thing a faith does. It says God is. Everybody say, God is. Hallelujah. And that isn't God was, although he was. And God isn't just, you know, going to be, although he's going to be. He says, I am right now. I'm God. Amen. Give the Lord a praise. And he says, I'm a rewarder. I'm a rewarder of those that diligently seek me. Those that are not passive. Those that are confident. Oh, you say, Pastor, that's, that's works. That's what makes faith alive. Faith without works is dead. Yes. Hallelujah. Faith is for the natural as well as it is for the spiritual. It is. It's for the natural as well as it is the spiritual. By faith, Sarah, what? Conceived. I mean, know that babies are natural. God is interested in, you know, bringing to life the natural, because that's what happened. God brought to life the natural. That's what God does in our life by faith is he brings to life the natural. And the natural has some amazing possibilities of fulfilling the promises of God. Father, as we are so thankful that we're able to go through the storm and we're still here. We haven't made any exits. <laughs> We're so thankful that you have 
authored faith in us. And you've also made faith so that it can increase and it can flourish and it can become an active force in our life, Father. Not just a passive, I believe, you know, but an active dynamic, I do because I believe. I thank you this morning, hallelujah, for making alive all the natural through which you are going to fulfill the promises in our lives, God, in Jesus' name. Amen? Hallelujah. God bless you. Go with God because he's going to go with you.